Hello and welcome to the Niche Podcast for Friday, July 25th, 2014. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about building apps that run everywhere using open web standards like HTML, CSS, JavaScript, REST, and JSON. This week, we talk about bugs, bugs, and more bugs. iframe app cache hacks, public assets gone missing with Capistrano, retroactive paper clipping, and stupid git tricks. Please stay tuned. The Niche Podcast is next. Hello there. Hello. How's it going? Good. Does my computer sound wicked fast? Yeah, I can I can hear that solid state drive not moving. <laughs> so excited. <laughs> Finally pulled the trigger and got that new MacBook Air 13 nice. inch. Yeah. Nice. It's all maxed out for the dear listener's enjoyment. It is funny, faster, I don't know. Faster audio processing. Yes. I can't wait to uh I actually got it last week right after we recorded the podcast. And I was like, should I copy everything over to the new machine to process it? And I didn't do it. So I'm really looking forward to <laughs> seeing how fast the MP3 exports this week. Yeah. It's the little things. <laughs> so I guess we could start with the, the calendar. That's always an easy housekeeping thing. Yeah. Uh, next week, I'm going to be traveling to Nashville to speak at the BDConf beyond, well, it's sort of changing the name. Uh, it's <laughs> It was called Beyond the Desktop. Now I think it's called Breaking Development. But uh, at any rate, the URL is bdconf.com. Uh, and it's a super fun conference. It's sort of, it's a little boutique-y. They um, limit the attendance to about 200 people. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've got uh, a bunch of really great speakers again. I've, sp- I've spoken at it before. I'm looking forward to speaking at it again. But uh, it is always weird when I'm traveling so next week the podcast either might be late or maybe it'll be, I'll have to record it from the hotel, which sometimes is weird, but we'll do our best to get it to you on Friday, fresh out of the oven. Yes. Wave, wave when you fly over. Yes, we'll do it. Now is, is, I would have thought that Kentucky was further south than, this is so embarrassing, I shouldn't even bring this up. <laughs> I thought, I, I, I always picture... I'm always picturing like Mississippi, Alabama from my Georgia days, but you're like way north of there. I am north of like Tennessee borders us directly to the south and you're going to Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's idiotic of me. It is. Yeah. That's pretty bad. Horses, bourbon and north of Tennessee. Yeah. Also basketball. And the home of Johnny Depp, I believe. Really? I think so. I think he's from Kentucky. Hmm. So I'm not completely ignorant. <laughs> it's from Kentucky, wherever that is. <laughs> <laughs> ignorance, Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> I have been there. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, so we will try to get to you on time next week, but please be patient, folks. Um, what's this Rails Rumble news you mentioned uh, right before uh, we jumped on? Just... They yeah they they emailed me today and they have made a couple of big announcements uh, in the last couple of days. Can I gear up to get some press and get things ready for the next Rails Rumble? And um, 
like for uh, they're going with Heroku this year for hosting, which should help a lot of people get up and running really fast. Yeah, was last year the that uh, sort of disaster? No, that wasn't Rails Rumble. That was the other competition thing that I did. Yeah, Rails Rumble has always in the past used Linode. Oh, okay. And um, so yeah, this year they're switching to Heroku, and they're tr- they're I don't announced that today. But then, shortly after that announcement, I got an email from one of the organizers. Uh, and he asked me since since um I won the solo category last year. Have I mentioned that? <laughs> <laughs> he asked me if I could do a, a, a blog post or two that, that they could put up on their blog cool. about some cool you know, what it's like to compete solo and, and how to how to pick an app and the approach I took and that sort of thing. What it's like to be so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> how can other people try and be as awesome as you? <laughs> That's well, great. Well, that's cool. And now are you so going to... That should be fun. Are you going to compete this year? Do you have... Yes, yes. Excellent. Yes, the competition is, I believe... Uh, I'll have to double-check the dates, but I think it's like the second weekend of October. Cool. Well, maybe I'll be in it with you this year. Ooh, maybe we could team up. I, I am taking another whack at Rails. I, t- I keep on... It's come up several times, dear listeners. I'm sure you'll recall that I've been attempted to make the leap from my dirty PHP past over into the pristine Rails garden. But uh, it's funny. I always I so so. Speaking of hosting, I have been mm-hmm. re- really digging DigitalOcean uh, in terms of like incredibly, incredibly simple. It's not. It's not the most powerful, like say yeah. compared to like um, AWS or something. It doesn't have like a billion options. But man, for five bucks a month, you can you get a lot of the same sort of features where you can just like spin stuff up really fast. It's all pre-configured, and you could just start. Yeah, you do. You do. Uh, and so they have this. Um, I don't know if this is new or not, but you can just pick a machine that's like configured for Rails. So yeah. I was like, oh, because that's always my problem. Like, I can never get the machine <laughs> configured for Rails. It's ridiculous. So I, so I did that great, and I already, I've already, uh, we were chatting today. I already can't get the thing figured out. It's like so. <laughs> it's like, it's like I feel like I feel like if I could just get a couple of, for some reason, it's like I just want my code to be live. Someone just, just. <laughs> I have to like reboot the server every time I want a change to go live. I feel like I know, I feel like I'd be pretty good at rails if I could just get it to work. Like I know I like, I'm totally down with like the helpers and like the, I've watched you do so much stuff that I'm like, ow, oh, it's like, it's kind of like burned into my brain how you're supposed to do it. I just can't get the changes on the to. server. <laughs> maybe, maybe you need to start watching me doing all the server stuff. Maybe it's like, and every time, and like, and I'm not. I feel like I feel like an idiot. But every time we go through it, you get stuck right where I do too. It's I'm like, it's today I was like, how do you do? That? And you're like, ah, I don't know. It depends. What's unicorn? You know, like how does how, how do you you know? Yeah, There's always I've something different used, about my setup. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, not used unicorn. So frustrating. Yeah, I've not used unicorn outside of Heroku. Mm. In which case, Heroku just takes care of it all. Right. So I'm going to, I'm just going to, I said, I've said this exact quote before, but I'm just going to bite the bullet. And like, so after the, the reason why this is relevant, I suppose to housekeeping is because it's an update to 
uh, last week, which was that I, or I think it was last week. No, it was two weeks ago when I was like, you know, I'm going to, uh, building an API first is just really, it, it's painful from a momentum standpoint. So I'm going to, mm-hmm. and that's what, uh, we did with spoken. So I'm going to go back and do it without an API and just take another whack at that. Cause I just, I love that idea. It should exist. And I want it, I want it to be online. Yeah. So, and I'm definitely doing it. There's no way I'm writing that application with PHP. <laughs> no way. Uh, okay. So we got a nice email last week, sort of a constructive criticism email. It was very uh, well received. So thank you for mm-hmm. that. And sort of rather than address it directly, it kind of, we kind of wanted to ask the dear listener in general uh, f- to let us know what you like and don't like about the podcast lately. So um, if the topics were are too vague or if the shows are too long or if we're too repetitive or whatever. So, um, and, and if you, and please, because we're going to, we're actually, you know, sort of taking a step back and being like, Oh, okay. Well, like what's, what's the best way to do the podcast? What's the best thing for the dear listener? And, uh, you know, so if you, so the, the thing is, if you like something, you should definitely let us know because if we only hear from people who don't like stuff, then we'll make those (laughs) changes and everybody who likes stuff is then they're going to be ticked off. So, so let us know what you like, let us know what you don't like. Um, we're, we're both very open to, to suggestions and criticisms, I think. So, yeah, big time. So just shoot an email to hello at niche.cc and we will, we will be sitting by our inboxes waiting patiently <laughs> for your feedback. <laughs> All right, great. So this week we have a couple of um, bug reports that have been kind of piling up and didn't really fit neatly into previous episodes. So we're going to kind of clear those out and just talk about those this week. Yeah, yeah we've got a few of them, so. Mm-hmm. Probably enough bug reports to make an episode, so let's just do that. Exactly. Um, all right, so where should we start? Uh, probably at the top of the list so you don't get confused again. That's a great idea. Yes, that's a good idea. Uh, so, bug number one. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> let's, let's PS. Not down, let's yeah. not go down that again. Yeah. That road again. <laughs> I know. There's a there's been more Casey case of news. I'm, I'm not going to. I won't read Oh, re- oh has there? Re- I, somebody somebody sent me a link that his that his body is missing. What? Yeah. I swear I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> I'm a little creeped out right now. I don't know if the, I don't know if they were just like yanking my chain or what, but somebody like pinged me on Twitter like with a headline <laughs> that said Casey Kasem like drama continues, body now missing and like <laughs> the poor guy. <laughs> I'm a little a little a little yeah, that makes me slightly uncomfortable. I know. <laughs> I know. It's going to be haunted. Oh, imagine that. Um, all right, so uh, here's here's an interesting, this first bug report is, um, I guess if I was going to summarize it, I would, it would be like permanently app caching your, your website. Um, we talked about this iframe trick a couple of weeks back, a couple of episodes ago where, um, the app cache. So like backing up, if you want your application, your web app, your website to run offline, uh, then you can use app cache to kind of bootstrap yourself into a position to do that. So, um, it's, it's 
pretty straightforward when you're building a single page web app where you've got a bunch of static files and then all of your communication with the server is done via Ajax requests from the mm -hmm. client side. You can just cache the files that you need for the app and um, just fail gracefully when the Ajax requests fail. And it doesn't really matter. Well, I mean, not that it doesn't matter, but in terms of your application, the Ajax request can fail for whatever reason. Your server could go down. It wouldn't matter. It's like you're, if you make your, your app resilient to loss of connectivity on either end, uh, then, then you're good to go. Yeah, you're good to go. It's pretty, you can, you can, it doesn't just like fall over. You can message the user and say, hey, we, you know, uh, check your internet connection. We can't reach the server. We can't reach the API or whatever it is. Um, you know, and in the meantime, you could do something clever like save whatever form input they had to local storage or try and try and fail gracefully like that. The issue, though, uh, came up with Kilo where I the, the it is not a complete client side web app. It's an actual regular website where you navigate yeah. from page to page and each page is the HTML is composed on the server and sent down to the client. So when there are changes to that data, it would never show up if you app if you used app cache, it would just like yeah. the, the home page just the dashboard would never change. So I was looking for a way to to just to fail gracefully but without caching any of the dynamic pages. And it turns out that um, you can do this by including an iframe in a page that has app cache, but the parent page that contains the iframe doesn't. Right. And so one of the really cool things about this, in addition to achieving the goal of not caching the parent page and just caching like an offline fallback page, uh, is that you can this also allows you to programmatically add an app cache under certain circumstances. Like, cause you don't always, you, you, there can be situations where you don't actually want to add it. Right. Like we had, we had situations come up where we didn't want to cache things in a desktop browser, but on a mobile phone we did. Exactly. Um, so like specifically on iPhone where we, we wanted people to, we only wanted to cache stuff if the user had installed the web app to the home screen where it was standalone right. enabled. So, because if we if we if we invite them to install it on the home screen, it would be uh, caching all the files in two different places on the phone. And since they're image files, they can get kind of big. And didn't yeah. want to do that. So here's so here's the thing. So the iframe the iframe hack totally works in the situation I described for Kilo, where we just want to present a fallback page uh, yeah. at a certain point. We and we don't want we really don't want anything else cached. Just the CSS some simple JavaScript, if any, and, and a then fallback, like a fallback page. page. Right. So in this situation, um, we, st we want everything app cached. We want the, the, the parent page and all the HTML and everything app cached. So, it, you know, and in this particular example, you're talking about like one HTML file, you know, maybe up to anywhere from one to 30 or 40 images. Mm-hmm. Uh, some JavaScript, some some CSS, that kind of thing. And we'd say on iOS, so like follow me here because it's pretty confusing, but it's important. The On iOS, you'd say, the JavaScript would say, okay, um, am I launched in full screen mode? Oh yeah, look, I am. So uh, it's okay to attach the iframe to this page and cache everything, including the parent, so that when uh, the user is disconnected from the network, 
this this is completely self-contained. It's literally been installed in complete, like in its like entirety. Completely installed, yeah. Yeah, it's completely installed. So here's the thing. You know, we have like thousands and thousands of users and those people have, you know, each and each and they've create thousands and thousands and thousands of albums and each yeah, one of oh, those we should point out here because i don't think it was initially clear we made the leap from kilo to sticky albums oh did i not i sorry yeah no you didn't really sorry you can't read my mind oh well, i i could but <laughs> i was i was worried excellent so yeah so that that is the issue so kilo i mean if i wish kilo had thousands of users that would be <laughs> awesome <laughs> Um, but no, yeah. So, so this is it. So the, in sticky albums, there are, to make a long story short, there are thousands of these tens of thousands of these exist, or maybe even hundreds. I'm not sure. There's a, a, a mess load. Oh, yeah. There's hundreds. Yeah. Of thousands. Yes. Of these, uh, apps, um, already installed on people's home screens. And what, what I, we wanted to do was up date the manifest which would trigger all of those uh all of those apps when the next time they were launched to say hey there's the manifest has been changed uh do you want to store the new version of the album here and they would say yes and the new javascript would come down and the new javascript would say hey um cache this whole thing and uh, and do it with this iframe hack yeah so the the thing is though now this is this is pretty subtle and I'm glad I'm glad I even thought of it. Yeah, I'm so glad you caught this before we before we went did live it. with it. Right, because if so, the JavaScript that comes down that creates that iframe has a bunch of branching in it that mm-hmm. um, does different things. So it checks it checks all sorts of things, and it's not simple. What's there's a lot of logic branching going on in it, and. It could theoretically happen that that in the situation where the manifest first updates, uh, that the JavaScript, the the path that is taken through the the JavaScript conditionals is valid, and the iframe is appended to the DOM, and that iframe has an index.html that points at a manifest and caches yes. all of the resources for that page. Yes including that javascript file so now that they are now that they are cached if i had a logic bug or if there is a logic bug in that javascript file that prevents it in the future from ever appending that iframe Mm -hmm. it can never be updated right like end of story that's it you can never update it again right you'd literally have to contact the people and say, which we don't even have contact information for because they're not our customers. They're customers of our customers. We would have to say to our customers, let all of your people know that they have to delete (laughs) the app from their home screen and go to the site, go to the site, reinstall it again because the, because what happens is yeah, when the, when a page loads, the, the HT, like the reason why it, it always works is because um, the reason why it's reliable uh, is that it doesn't require JavaScript normally. So you can all, yeah. pretty, you can basically always count on it. The, a page when the parent page is loaded, you can always count on that um, 
manifest attribute being in the HTML tag and it doing what it's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. If you're adding it programmatically to the page and it's already been cached. If it doesn't get added. If it doesn't get added, that it's never going to reach that link and it's just going to be stuck. Yeah. And considering these are our apps that are getting installed on, like you said, hundreds of thousands of different devices, the chances of having a bug in there that is not going to play nice with some, some, um, some device somewhere is that, yeah, that's, that's a good possibility. It's almost definite. Yeah. It's so no matter how good you are, when you're dealing with that many different platforms, something's going to come up. Yeah. It's untestable. So, so we were like, you know, we talked about it and even now that we're talking about it, I'm like, wait a minute, but wouldn't it? No, it doesn't. No, no. Yeah. It does not update. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Don't go there. Do not do it. Right. So, um, anyway, so we didn't, we didn't do that. And so the, the, I guess the moral of the story is for you, dear listener, if you are playing around with app cache, especially if you're using this iframe hack, uh, you, you just need to be super careful about what you're caching. Yeah. So like in the example, the Kilo example that I started off with the JavaScript file that the JavaScript file is not being cached. So that particular one is essentially the networks is implicitly in the network section. Mm -hmm. So whenever they do have a connection to the internet, it's going to use this version that's on the server. And when they don't have a connection to the internet, the only thing that's cached is this static offline.html page. So if I screw something up in the JavaScript, it doesn't matter because I'll just update it on the server and it's fixed. Right, because they're not going to be running the JavaScript if they're not online. Exactly. So it's sort of a, it was, for me, it was a very subtle distinction. If you're caching the JavaScript that does the, the iframe thing, then you got to really, really be confident that you're doing it right. Yeah. It's, it was scary when we, re- when we realized that it was like, <laughs> like, no, this is, this is too scary. Right. <laughs> Not going to risk it. Yeah. It reminds me of like shipping desktop software, which <laughs> I've, which I've done with FileMaker where you're like, okay, is everything perfect because we're like literally shrink wrapping this in a box yeah on a disc (laughs) it's the same feeling it's the exact same feeling like i'm shipping this code to you forevermore yeah like if if we like this if we get it wrong this is your only chance Mm. if we get it wrong we have to like basically call you yeah or you have to call us which the last thing any developer wants is to talk to a human being yeah (laughs) (laughs) permanent app cache (laughs) <laughs> scary yes even even apps installed on my phone i assume are not permanent like they're always communicating with a server <laughs> yeah they're that's exactly the thing like there's if there's an app store update it exactly yeah like that update if the, it's exactly like that if if the app update mechanism could fail based on code inside of your app like that's the issue like you need to have the update mechanism outside of the caching yeah. So that would have been a better way. That's like, a, that's a pretty concise way to put it now that we've talked about it for 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> the update mechanism has to be outside of the application. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. So that was that one. Let's move, moving right along. Yes. To bug report number two. Oh, you went there. <laughs> <laughs> I love doing that. <laughs> This one's mine. Yay. 
Yeah, this is a, a Capistrano deployment thing. We have we have an application or our sticky albums application, mm-hmm. and we deploy it with Capistrano. And the need came up the other day to add a add a new custom sort of page to it. And so I did, and it was going to be you know it was just going to be a temporary thing. So I didn't really want to clutter up my assets folder with the the JavaScript and images and CSS and stuff that were just used for that one page that was only going to be there for like a week. Yeah, I hate cluttered assets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, well, you know, there's a there's a few different places in Rails that you can put assets. Um, there's an assets folder in your app directory, and there's one in the vendor directory, or you can just put it in the public, the assets folder inside your public directory. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, I'll just toss them in there. It's simple. Yeah. It it doesn't try to compile everything. It's just it's all already there in the public directory. No problem. It's kind of like that's the directory that I'd be comfortable with. Yeah, <laughs> just works. exactly, exactly. In fact, I even thought that. Well, I'll just I'll just go the the, the John route and, and just toss them. <laughs> <laughs> and and then I deployed the application to the server for testing, mm-hmm. and none none of the assets were there. <laughs> mm-hmm. None of none of the images and and stuff in yep. in the public assets folder for this particular sign up page were there. Okay, and I thought, well. That's that's strange because I checked, checked the um, you know, went and went to GitHub and, and opened the repo and checked and make sure yeah they're there. Checked that, and so I, <laughs> since it didn't work the first time and and obviously nothing at all had changed, I decided to try it again. <laughs> Still didn't work, and and I get to so then I then I logged into the server and started poking around and I found the problem and when I did it was just one of those, one of those forehead slapping moments, mm. um. Capistrano assumes, um, however, however correctly or incorrectly, that all of your assets are gonna gonna live either within the asset pipeline or not in the public assets folder. Because and and then what it does uh, when the Capistrano one of the Capistrano tasks is to precompile all of your static assets, and so when it does that, it creates a sim link. For this this public assets directory, hmm. and of course you're trying to create a sim link. You can't create a sim link to a directory that's already that already exists, and and all of that stuff. So if you put, if you actually oh. put things in the public assets folder inside your repo, and then try to create that directory, when Capistrano create tries to create that sim link, you you all of your you know, you're you're not able to access right. the stuff that you actually put in the directory that probably made no sense that's very confusing is the i mean i get it sort of but the thing that's surprising is that capistrano that's not that can't be the default behavior that must be something that like what are they they're not called recipes are they what what's the yeah they're called recipes yeah but yeah that's the that's the default behavior yeah for the the default behavior for capistrano is to create um, it creates a, you have a folder for each release and then you have a shared folder where a lot of your assets live. So it doesn't have to recompile assets that haven't changed between releases and all that stuff. So it, it makes the whole, the Capistrano the whole compiling assets process faster. Right. But Capistrano doesn't compile assets. Yes, it does. It runs the rake, Capistrano runs the rake task to compile the ac- the assets. By default. Uh, I have included it, but I have... You either you either do it in your Capistrano task or you manually do it. 
Those right. are your options. So, but see, that's because I didn't think Capistrano was that rail specific. Because I've I've used Capistrano. I see. I I had a similar, a related issue using Capistrano on my personal site, mm-hmm. where I've got a huge directory of downloads, just like a like a gigabytes of files in this download directory, all these slides and stuff like that, and. I tried to use, there's like a, there's a place you can put stuff that's not in the repo that you just want up there all the time that's shared across yeah. all of the releases. Is that s- similar? Like, is that this, the, that's not the same thing though that you're talking about, is it? Um, well, yeah, you're talking about having that shared directory that's shared across all the releases. Right, that's not in the repo. Like when you have something that you don't want in the repo, because I can't put that stuff in the repo because then it like then you fills put up it, my you hard put drive. shared. Yeah. So you put it in shared, but that's like, uh, that's not Rails related. No, that's that's not Rails related, but the ra- the Rails rake task that compiles all of the, the that does the asset precompile mm-hmm. through Capistrano will put all of those assets into that shared directory. I see. Okay. And then inside your release directory, it creates a sim link to that directory. Mm-hmm. So, I gotcha. thank you. This is a this is a much better explanation. <laughs> so, since it's creating a sim link to that directory, your inside of your inside of your release directory for your Rails application, public assets is not an actual directory. It's a sim link to the shared directory. Right. So, anything that's in public assets in the repo, it's just going to get ignored. It's just going to get, yeah, like ignored. Because it creates a symlink to that shared one that's above the releases. Right. It's like a, a sibling of the release folders. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that, that makes a lot more sense. So the solution is just if you want to put stuff in your public directory, just don't put it in the public in public assets. Right. And so now what is the, what's the reasoning? What, what are the, is it too much to get into the pros and cons of why you would put the assets in different places? I mean, if you put them in public, they just never get compiled. They're just like static pages. They never get right, compiled. Right. They never They're get minified. Static stuff. Yeah. yeah. So it probably makes sense to never put stuff in there. Yeah. Usually you don't really don't really need to. Um, well, I don't know. I guess you could argue that it does make sense. If you have a lot of things, if you have a lot of files that you know they're never going to change. Mm-hmm. Like jQuery and, or something. Yeah. Or, or, or you know they're not going to change. And you don't need to like concatenate and minify and combine them with all the other assets that you're serving. Mm-hmm. Then well, they it already makes sense. are, and you never and you yeah. don't want to have it happen every single time. Yeah, then it makes sense to put stuff in there. But uh, like like in this case, there were files that were otherwise completely unrelated to the application, and they're only going to be there for a, a short amount of time. Gotcha. Yeah, that's a that's a head slapper. Yeah, that's a good one. That pro- and and probably one that I'm about to encounter. <laughs> so I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> yeah, I explained it very poorly to start with. Uh, my apologies. It's no. it's a a complicated one. So yeah, I mean, well, that's that's where probably, these are probably all like that. That's the thing, you know. Um, the next one is yours as well. Oh, is it? Yep. What is it? The paperclip URL format. I wouldn't call this oh, a bug, really. No, this isn't, this isn't really a bug. It's just more of a thing we did. Um, we had... Well, I don't know. Hmm, I'm not even sure how to summarize this in like, in like one or two 
Yeah, I'll take a shot at it because we've yeah. talked about this one. So basically, there's this thing called paperclip. It's a it's a gem, <laughs> <laughs> and it help. Well, what's paperclip first? Pa- paperclip is a Ruby gem that allows you to um, manage manage uh, file attachments to your your Rails models. Yeah, it's it's pretty sweet. It does a ton of stuff for you, it and it does. we're using it to do a bunch of file processing of images that we're uh, ultimately sending over to store on uh, S3. S3, yes. And so due to my intense anal nature (laughs) (laughs) about names of things, we decided to change the um, sort of structure of those URLs. Yes, two two months into production when we have like 50,000 images. Right. And it's interesting because paperclip, uh, you paperclip at least the way we have it set up, and I think is probably the default way to use it, mm-hmm. is that you don't store like you know if you have uh, ten versions of an image, like you resize it or whatever, you watermarking it or whatever, you've just got a bunch of versions of an image. Uh, you don't store all those URLs in the database. Paperclip just uses, uh, you know, it has like uh, some logic that you tell it, say you know name them like this, and we'll just. Uh, and their, sort of their base generates them. is this. Yeah. Right. So so not only does it accept the uploads and process them over to S3, but also when somebody makes a read request to get those back out, it runs again and regenerates. It figures out what the URLs should be. They're not actually stored somewhere. Yeah. So if we wanted to change the way the basically the stuff is stored, you know, the folder structure in the bucket on S3, then we have to tell Paperclip about it. Yeah, but then, then that creates the problem that once you change the paperclip configuration, all of your old stuff is now broken. Right, and there are how many images up there already? Like fifty thousand or something? Yeah, f- fifty thousand. If you don't count all of the different styles, the versions of them. Oh, so like individual image records. Like it, yeah, there's fifty thousand like individual image records. If you counted all the versions, it would be like over a hundred thousand. Yeah. So now here's the thing: like you can't just in a situation like this, you can't just update the code and the file system at the same time because there are too many images yeah like that yeah, would we, i suppose like we like you could go through and reprocess everything at once but it would just be a ridiculous amount of work and you'd server. have to and you'd have to stop uploads while it was happening so yeah. that you weren't creating more that you couldn't you, so anyway the point is that the only reasonable way to do it was to branch the code yeah, and and we actually did need to support both versions of of the file name because we have people that have stuff cached and have stuff downloaded and things like that. So all those old URLs still need to be accessible for a while. Right. So so it wasn't like we could just go through and and reprocess everything and say, oh, okay, now it's all the new format. We're just going to forget that the old one ever existed. Mm-hmm. So what I ended up doing. Um, uh, well, I created, basically I added a flag to the, the photos that says, you know, is this the new, the new file name format or is it the old file name format? Mm-hmm. And if it's the new one, then return the paper clip, return the URL using the paperclip method like normal. Mm-hmm. If it's the old one, then use this old URL format and like... Look at the paperclip URL, get the file extension, blah, blah, blah. Use and plug those into the old format and return that. Right. 
So I created a created a custom method for that, and which that was pretty simple. Cool. Um, but then we got to the point where you know we we need to support this old format, but we don't want it around forever. We want a way to be able to reprocess all of these images. Yeah. So eventually um, they'd be gone. Yeah. Yeah, and Paperclip has some some reprocessing logic built into it, but the problem is that doesn't work in this situation because once you've changed that configuration, Paperclip has no idea where to find the old images. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. <laughs> this this was the fun part. I made I made another method that like we'll use the the previous like image URL method that I created to get get the actual URL for the photo. Mm-hmm. Open the file is like a like a like a file stream. Like open like read the file data, right into the buffer on the server. Use that and set that as the image attachment. Save the record, and then it like it it reads that file in and reprocesses everything and creates the new photos. Yes. So then that one's like done next time yeah. around that yeah. one's fixed and then up then it update updates the flag that says oh hey this record actually has the new format right and then once we go through and everything's got the new format then we can just delete that junk yeah that one is kind of complicated but it is kind of complicated fortunately kelly blogged about it I did. So if you are in a situ- similar situation or you're just curious and want to see what the what this actually looks like, uh, you can check the show notes and there will be a link to the blog post where she details exactly what she's uh, like in, in a more code way, a little more yeah, <laughs> more friendly format than audio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I actually have used a, a somewhat contrived different example there to illustrate how I did it because... In our case, we were dealing with a few different nested models and that sort of stuff. So I just kind of I wrote up a, an example of a, a more simplified version, right? Cool of, the, of it for that. So we can link to that in the show notes. And the the encode actually was was pretty straightforward, but it took a bit to get my head around. Okay, how are we going to do this? Yeah, there's like the whole thing of of dealing. It's really surprising well i guess surprising is the wrong word but it is um when you're dealing with an application that has tons of users in it you can't just there's so many times that you just you have to have like a whole effort to like just like move them from one place to another yeah and like update you know like has to be like repeatable and rollbackable and uh you know, you have to be able to do it atomically and on a per user basis. And it's like, turns into a whole, it's almost like an, a side application just for yeah. doing it's just like wacky. Like you just can't just make a change and then break a million links, you know? So it's, right. uh, it's, it's it. pretty fun. Very granular. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun, but it's an, it's a, it's definitely a challenge, but it's fun. Yeah. Excellent. And finally, Bug report number four. <laughs> stupid uh, get tricks. Yeah, stupid get tricks. Um, why did this? Why do we have this one? This is this is okay, right? Um, here's the situation. I'll tell you about um, WordPress. Lots of files. Lots and lots of files. Lots and lots of files. And um, 
uh, and in general, and then if you throw like legacy crazy cruft over the years, is like we've got this web server that has just like a billion things on it, uh-huh. and it's on a uh, it's on a small EC or it's not a small EC two instance, but it's it's only got like eight gigabyte uh, boot drive. Yeah, and there's like four gigabytes of junk in there. You know, or maybe two or two or three gigabytes of junk plus other stuff on the file system. So you can't, you literally, if you get in it, the whole thing goes down. Like the the yeah. hard drive f- cramps up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it just it says see you later bye. So, um, uh, so okay, so there's this big, busy website that we can't it can't easily have inversion control, and so we're migrating off of it uh, into a little bit more static version that is going to be really great, but we wanted to, we still have to, for reasons, we have to continue to have those in the same place, the same hard drive and all that. So, uh, but we want those under version control. Yes. So, um, are like, all right, you know, there are like thousands of files on this yeah. thing that so we, you, so you thought you were going to be creating the world's, the world's largest get ignore file. Yeah. I mean, I was like, when I, I was almost joking, I was half joking when I asked you today, like, is there like a git don't ignore file <laughs> where I could just <laughs> whitelist the directories that I want yeah. in git and not, and sure enough, you're like, yeah, I just go like this. <laughs> um, but it was really, I, 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 to be honest, I don't understand how our, like the fix you came up with worked, but did you, did you read my, I sent you a link to my explanation of that. Did you read it? <laughs> I still don't get it. It's like, so what you can do in case you don't know, uh, folks is that in your git ignore file, you can put an exclamation point in front of a pattern that you want to negate. So, um, just a simple example, you could put in git ignore, like asterisk and just ignore everything. Like these are some mm-hmm. of the examples I saw when we were Googling around asterisks and uh, you know for ignore everything no slashes at all and then you know like exclamation point um index.html right <laughs> right and and then just the one file everything else is ignored except for index.html i and, and frankly i've never really gotten this right i always whenever i do a git ignore i'm always like looking at somebody else's example or a previous one that i've done mm-hmm. i never trust it because i don't I, I'm not cool with like what's a wild card and what's not. So like if you just put in um if you put in git ignore like dot ds underscore store to ignore those incredibly irritating Mac files. Yes. It it's just it just always works everywhere. Yeah. Like it's recursive, if you will. It's like looks for anything that I, I'm guessing what it does is any path that has that in it is ignored. Yeah. And but in in this example, your suggestion was to slash asterisk, not just asterisk. Right. Which that is the thing that's throwing me. Okay. Yeah. If you're not if you're doing doing just the asterisks, then it's gonna it's gonna ignore everything. Right. Um. If you put the slash asterisk, it's gonna ignore all the files in the root directory of your of your repo just the files yeah and then you put slash asterisk slash after that and it's gonna and that'll tell it to ignore all of the directories in the root folder, right and right. so that so then you can go in and so here's what's weird about un- that the thing that's weird about that for me that i guess i can't 
handle is that it's treating the slashes differently than any other character. If I'm not, if I'm following. Well, if you're not specifying a path, then it's going to apply it to, to anything in the repo. So the slash is specifying your path. But, but, yep, I, I got you there. But like, like if you have, if you have a situation where if you if we just which what what I did first was slash asterisk, and then, this was really weird. And then and then, exclamation point, slash directory slash a couple of directories, and um. Uh, and then the slash index.html, you know, exclamation point slash index.html. Again, yeah, we probably should blog about this. It's a little confusing. And weirdly, some of the directories showed up in my git, you know, I did git status and it said, these things need to be added to the repo. But it wasn't all of the directories. It was about half of them. And when I looked into it, it was the half of them that didn't have any subdirectories. Yeah, the the reason for that was well actually initially you didn't have slash asterisks, you just had the asterisks. I didn't so, the one I didn't have I, I if I remember correctly, the one I didn't have was slash asterisk slash say that ten uh, times fast. You, <laughs> you didn't even have slash asterisks, you just had asterisks. Okay. No, you just had asterisks. So you were saying ignore everything. And then you were specifying paths and saying, but don't ignore this. And right. don't ignore this and don't ignore this. Mm-hmm. So, since you were, and so since you were saying, initially first you're saying ignore everything, but not ignore don't ignore this directory. Right, um, but it's but the which it which worked for the ones that didn't have subdirectories. Yeah. But not the ones that did. Well, I shouldn't put it like that. The ones that did have subdirectories. It also, and this might have been the problem. It they also had no files directly. Yeah, that's the thing. If they're then they only had subdirectories, right? Because it was seeing it as an empty directory, and Git does not track empty directories. Okay, that makes sense. But so now here's the thing that's here's the thing that's surprising to me about the the so the, well the answer to skip to the end. The answer is that we had to put. Uh, git ignore slash asterisk and then slash asterisk slash mm-hmm. and uh, and then everything worked. Yeah. So the here's the thing that uh, here's the thing that just to just to like it, and this is just it's not not resolved in my mind. Maybe you can explain. Maybe you already <laughs> explained it. and I'm just too thick to get it. I feel like I have. <laughs> but here's the thing. Why I don't get why there's a difference between. Like asterisk, sorry, slash asterisk should include anything that's slash asterisk slash. Like that seems redundant to me to have those, to have to have both of those, but you definitely do have to have them both. Yeah. I, I think basically what it means is that wildcards don't apply to. They're not quite, they're not quite the same as what you're thinking a wildcard in a, in a Unix file system is <laughs> evidently yeah yeah because just um it treats files and directories differently basically yeah yeah so you need the you need the the slashes in there to specify your directory and that explains why i've always been confused by by git ignore because that it's that because I'm, I'm like well why sometimes you'll see um sometimes you'll see somebody do like let's say you have a directory called public mm-hmm. you'll see someone just do ignore 
or log. That one's always somebody's always got a log thing they don't want in the repo. So you'll you'll see just like logs. Sometimes you'll just see log mm-hmm. or log slash, or sometimes you'll see log slash asterisk. Like to to me, those are all the exact same thing, but they're not. Like normally they would be. Like like log by itself should cover all of those things. Like if I was writing an HT access file, mm-hmm. log with no would cover everything anything that had log anywhere in its path. See what I mean? Yeah. And that's not but that's just not the way it works. Yeah, no, it's just a it's just a different different treatment of a wild card there. Yep. That's why you'll you'll see some things that are sometimes they'll be like directory slash asterisk asterisk slash. <laughs> yeah. Then you're telling it ignore all the files and ignore all the subdirectories. It's like now that we're talking about it for this long, it's starting to sink in with me. So hopefully in the future I'll remember it. But there, it just treats them differently. It's not just yeah. like generic paths. Because like even in PHP, like f- 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 like if you return, like e- a directory is still a file. Like in, in PHP, it treats yeah. file a, a directory as a file it's, yeah. you know, for all intents and purposes. So that it's kind of like, see, it's PHP again. That's what's poisoning my <laughs> mind. PHP is poisoning my mind. Well, the the way Git treats it, I, I grant you, is different, but it it does seem to give you a lot of flexibility. And I guess when you're talking when you're talking about version control, you know, you you want that flexibility. Yeah, absolutely. Cause, like, yeah, because you can have all kinds of temp files and temp directories and, and that sort of stuff. Right, and you might want to do something like, you know, like like you might have a file with the name log in it, but you don't want to ignore that. Yeah. You just want to ignore any directories anywhere that have log in them. So you do like, igno- in the get ignore, you do like log slash if I'm, if I'm following our own conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and then it would say, okay, any directory is named log or... or that end with the name, the, the, you know, L O G slash. I guess yeah. the moral of the story is that files and directories are treated differently inside of GitIgnore. Yes, the wild cards do not do what you think they do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. If you want them to apply directories, you have to put a slash after it. You keep using that asterisk, but I don't think it does what you think it does. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Well, that was that was those were four. I think four very confusing, but uh, hopefully helpful bugs. Yeah, we need a, at least one or two blog posts to go along with this episode. Yeah, yeah. That that get ignore that get one. I think I think no one will understand that, but <laughs> it will. If any, if nothing else, it's I think finally made it made sense to me. And for other people who are getting used to Git, maybe it will at least put it on their radar that it's wacky yeah that the wildcard syntax is different yeah than what they may be expecting right so hopefully that's helpful to someone and as we said at the beginning of the show you are welcome in fact encouraged to send us feedback especially this week because we're going to we are going to be making changes we are so let us know let us know maybe i'll send you a sticker Hey, you still have more? I, I have a few left if I can find them. So, all right. So, like, it's a race for the <laughs> remainder of this. I have some, too, actually. I, you sent me a big pile. So I, I did. We've got at least, I've got at least 10. So, um, yeah. So, it's a race. It's a sticker race. <laughs> We're going to be redecorating the podcast. So, if you like the drapes the way they are, you better tell us. Because if someone complains about them, they're gone. Yeah, we're, we'll um, reupholster the the <laughs> reupholster the niche cave <laughs> exactly <laughs>
So I imagine our, our, our caves upholstered. Oh, yeah. Like all I, of it. It's, first of all, it's wall-to-wall shag, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Orange. <laughs> wall-to-wall shag. Orange shag, yeah. Yeah. Straight from, straight from the 70s. Upholstered walls. I mean, some people will call them padded, but I, I prefer upholstered. I, I do, too. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, so that email address again, dear listener, is hello at niche.cc. We look forward to hearing from you. And that is our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we hope you join us again next week for the Niche Podcast. Bye. Bye. Bye.